Now, today's camp is entitled, The Champion Shepherd. The Champion Shepherd. The Champion Shepherd. Now, this is going to be a series and we are going to have a fiscal camp because I feel like this deserves a camp out of church. As I was praying and preparing while at Anakazo, I was asking the Lord, what should we share in this season? Because it's, go- it's going to be serialized, the champion shepherd. And then the Lord gave me this, these words, the champion shepherd. Now, when you read the book, the book I've written on, Shepherd After God's Own Heart, you will begin to appreciate the essence, you see, the essence of shepherding in the work of God or in the ministry. And I want to encourage all leaders, PUTs, SEOs, um, pastors, that besides training the new recruits into the work of God with the shepherd after God's own heart, you must read it consistently as a reminder that you are a shepherd. You are not a boss. You are a shepherd. Hallelujah. So that we become conversant with the art of shepherding and the principles of shepherding. Now, Jeremiah 3.15, Jeremiah 3.15, it says that, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. You know, LCN, we take our time, break down the word of God, and focus on the great commission. That's the whole service is for the great commission and it's just for the leaders in the ministry work. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, this scripture means that shepherds are prophetic people. Shepherds are sent by God. Shepherds are from God. And we need to begin to associate ourselves with that word shepherd. In the church today, many people like to associate with every other big office. But people don't like to be called shepherd. But when God was speaking to Jeremiah, in fact, Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah that he's a prophet. But then when God was talking about the future, he told the prophet that he's going to send shepherds. So shepherds are very important in the work of God. Number two, the fulfillment of the great commission cannot be possible without the role of shepherds. Shepherds facilitate the fulfillment of the great commission in every ministry and on earth. So every Christian must become a shepherd. Every Christian must become a shepherd. If you are a prophet, you must become a shepherd. If you are a pastor, you must become a shepherd. If you are an apostle, you must become a shepherd. Because God is sending shepherds In these last days, what God is sending is shepherds. Are you following what I'm saying? So, you must make yourself a shepherd. 
And when you make yourself a shepherd, you have fulfilled prophecy. Or you have become the fulfillment of a prophetic word emotion. Because he's saying that he will give you shepherds. And God is saying that the shepherds, their responsibility will be that they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And that makes it so easy because day in and day out, we all feed people with knowledge and understanding. The requirement for becoming a shepherd is so basic. Because as Christians or as human beings, we are people who disseminate information. Now, there are people who feed people with knowledge. Like, the only knowledge they feed people with is a certain food joint. So, there's the feeding of knowledge. But then they tell you that, oh, there's this particular food joint here. Very, very nice. There are others that feed people with cabastals as their knowledge. So, everybody is feeding somebody with knowledge. Now, I want to demystify the word shepherd so that you don't feel like, oh, a shepherd is a tall order. No, 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 no. God looked at what he requires in the end time and then he looked at the makeup of men and the ability and the capacity of men and then he said, I will give you shepherds. Meaning that everybody has a capacity to become a shepherd. Because shepherds are people who feed people, who lead people with knowledge. And if you ask yourself, the amount of knowledge you have given to people since you were born, you realize that you are more than a shepherd. The only thing is that the kind of knowledge you have given is not that which facilitates the great commission. But you are a knowledge giver. You are a person who gives understanding. So to become a shepherd is just to change your focus. From frivolous information and knowledge to eternal information and knowledge. So everybody can become a shepherd. Or everybody is designed to become a shepherd. Now, the Greek word for the word shepherd is the word poimen. It's pronounced poimen, but it's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N. But it's pronounced poimen. Now, Poimen means someone whom the Lord raises up to care for the total well-being of the flock of God. Are you following me? So poimen means someone whom the Lord raises up or someone who takes it upon himself to take care of others, other Christians in the church of God. I was explaining to you that the Christian exists for others. That's our basic responsibility. So, embracing the work of a shepherd is embracing the will of God for your life. The Bible says that this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says that the first is like unto the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, the requirement of God for the Christian, besides the Christian loving God, is for him to love his neighbor. 
And loving your neighbor is ushering yourself into the work of shepherding. Because shepherding is what helps you to properly love your neighbor as God requires of us. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, when you look at the Great Commission, when we analyze the Great Commission, which is a commission given to all Christians, you realize that without shepherds, the Great Commission cannot be fulfilled. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let's look at it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. There's the need for shepherds in God's house. And people must begin to rise up as shepherds in order to prove their love for God and in order to fulfill that great commission. Now, Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the master speaking. Therefore, do what? Do what? I've told you that whenever the spirit of Christ comes into a place, there's movement in the place. You know, one time Bishop Dag was preaching and then he said that the proof of the anointing is activity. He said, if you want to know one that is anointed, check his shadow in terms of activity and movement. I preached a message on the will of God and movement. So he says the anointed person does not stay in one place because the anointing flows like a river. The anointing is not a pond. It is like a river. So if you believe you are anointed, the proof of the anointing is your movement. How many movements you make in a particular week is proof that you are anointed. Anointed person is not someone who sits in a room and is asking everybody to come, come for, uh, you know, blessing. Come. That's not anointing. Praise the Lord Jesus. And we look at the expression of the anointing in people like Paul, in people like Peter, in people like James, in people like Matthew. These were people that were constantly on the road. So Jesus actually said, go ye. Meaning that when you read Acts 1.8, he says, and ye shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then ye shall be witnesses. Now you see that when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, evangelism is mentioned. He said you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem. So the main essence of the Holy Spirit is not loto numbers. <laughs> it's not telephone numbers. It's not car numbers. It's not, you see, we celebrate the Holy Spirit when we see certain manifestations of the Holy Spirit and we think that that is the main focus of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis of the reason why Jesus said, I need to go, Luke twenty four forty nine. He said, I need to go because if I don't go, it will not be good for you. Who was Jesus talking to? Jesus was talking to a people he has prepared for the great commission, he was not talking to people who were going to display anything. He was talking to people who were going to win souls. Soul winners. The promise of the father was for soul winners. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to win souls. Luke 19.10. 
He said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when he was going, he recruited a certain people and he was talking to them about the promise of the father. The promise of the father is for the continuation of the work that Jesus, nothing else. You see, when the church loses focus on the main thing, they begin to explore so many other things. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring you to that place as I do the teaching. So you understand where we went wrong and why we need to come back to the main thing. And then the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit is come, the first manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that you will be witnesses. Witnesses. He did not say you will begin to see. Your eyes will be open. Your ears will be open. Sometimes we think those things are more powerful than the essence for which God gave us the Holy Spirit. You know, many people don't, don't respect evangelists. Many people don't respect soul winners. Many people, so you see evangelists, many evangelists calling themselves prophets, many evangelists calling themselves, I mean, people call themselves uh, even uh, engineer. Like people call themselves engineer. Yeah, People call by God because they feel say, engineer, they will do. Hallelujah. But people don't want to associate with soul winning. They want to associate with the Holy Spirit. People think speaking in tongues is the highest expression of the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. No. It's a sign. But the main work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is giving for work. It's not for display. No, it's for work. Because Jesus told the disciples, you have seen me do the work of the ministry. That's why I recruited you. I see a design you had that you want to go and do it. Because by now you know how to go around. You know how to talk like me. You know how to do your teachings. In fact, you've had so many teachings. And then Jesus said, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endure with power from on high. Power for what? For prophetic manifestation? For healing? For all those things? No. Jesus was communicating that they need to continue the work of soul winning. It is so difficult to keep your focus on the main things. And based on the desires of the heart of men, it is so easy to corrupt the main focus of our Lord and Master. That's why a great deal of effort is required for us to keep our focus. Are you following at all? So he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be what? witnesses and the word witness means someone who is able to represent Jesus Christ someone who is able to preach the gospel even at the peril of their own life so the word um, witness is the same word matthiah someone who says I'm ready to die any day for preaching the gospel the Holy Spirit is giving to us to prepare us to die any day for the gospel. So you see that the Holy Spirit is not giving to us to wear nice suits, nice shoes. When the Holy Spirit is in you, and all you are using the Holy Spirit for is to travel in the aeroplane here, left, right, center, and just go and tell people about how God has blessed you and how God has given you forecasts and, and, and ministry. You see, you don't know the essence of the Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit abuse. You, you don't know. That's why the Bible says, do not quench the spirit. And then the Bible says, do not grieve the spirit. 
How can you quench the spirit? How can you grieve the spirit? It means that the spirit has an agenda. When you distract the spirit, you are grieving the spirit. The, the spirit is giving for a purpose. So if you have the Holy Ghost in you, what is the proof that you have the Holy Ghost in you? Your witnessing capacity. That's the proof that you have. Not the length of time you speak in tongues. We have reduced the Holy Spirit to tongue speaking. Especially charismatic Christians. He says, you receive power. What is powerful? Power, the primary essence of power is witnessing. The highest manifestation of power. Power is used for other things. But the highest expression of power. The power is more purposeful and relevant when a soul is turned to Christ. That's when we say power. You see, we have turned things upside down. And we have magnified things which in the kingdom of God and in the perspective of eternity are not so magnified. Now, when you look at the conversation that Jesus had with, um, with someone that stood before him, the person mentioned prophecy. He said, I prophesied in your name. The person mentioned healing. He said, I heal people in your name. The person mentioned casting out demons. He said, I cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, get thee behind me. I don't know you. The only thing the person did not mention is, I want souls in your name. So when we say something is powerful, it's a Christian who has gone to win a soul. Throughout the Bible, look at it. The Holy Spirit was sent from heaven to us, to inhabit us. Look at it. For you to be able to appreciate the value of things, look at the effect on heaven. Look at the effect on heaven. The Bible says there's much rejoicing in heaven when one soul is turned to Christ. That tells you, say, the power was given for that purpose. The Bible never said when the blind eye open, there's rejoicing in heaven. Though it is good, it's good for the blind to see. But we are talking about the weight. The weight of expression. But you see, there are many people who don't have this understanding. So they feel like the work of soul winning, the, the work of bringing people to the Lord, it, it, it's, it looks so simple. So it's not powerful. That's why in church, many people don't want to become shepherds. They want to be the one holding the mic. You know, they, because the attention of the crowd and everybody seem to focus on those who seem to express some magnificence. When Jesus actually said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endued with power. And when the power came, you see, the tongues, the wind, it's like, when the president is coming, you see, they are sirens. Pay attention to me. They are sirens. Sometimes they are sirens like motorcade sirens that are maybe 200 meters, 300 meters ahead of the president. Now, those things get our attention, but the vehicle that the president sits in doesn't make noise. That, that vehicle itself doesn't make noise. But that's where the president is. And many people are distracted by the sirens, the motorcade. So many people don't even pay attention. By the time you realize, then you begin to ask, ah, no way, 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 way. That's how the Holy Spirit behaves. You see, 
The Bible said there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And cloving tongues of fire settled upon it. What's the essence of all that? And they began to speak in new tongues. It is the ushering in of the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit cannot come without sirens, without motorcade, because He is the very Spirit of God. He is the essence of God. A king does not walk alone. So all those manifestations, Bible said they saw visible manifestation of fire. The Holy Spirit is not fire. His coming brought the settlement of fire. His coming brought the wind. The Holy Spirit is not a wind. So people can come to church. Nobody has fallen down. Then they say the Holy Spirit didn't come. Because we are fixated on a certain expression that most time we miss the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Bible said in dealing with the prophet Elijah, when God kept him in the cave, the Bible said that there was thunderings, there was fire, but God was not in it. And the Bible said that God was in a still small voice. Where is the still small voice? The still small voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you, that neighbor doesn't know me. You see, that is what is powerful. That is what is powerful. But you see, we have sacrificed the main thing for the decoration. When all of these things happened, you know what was powerful? What was powerful is the Bible said, Peter got up and he began to preach. And the Bible said 3,000 people. So the wind is not powerful. The fire that settled upon them is not powerful, but it can get your attention so much that you think the preaching of the salvation of is not even important. That's why when the Holy Spirit manifests, people do not go beyond the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes right and people begin to fall, the, even the pastor said to say, a, a church here is so powerful. Now I call that. And so now, that's just the beginning. So in most manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the sirens, the announcement take their attention. And people fail to go and preach the gospel. So many people are still living in the shadows of the Holy Spirit. Bible said he began to preach. And then the people said, what shall we do? Because the Bible said they were cut to the heart. That's what is powerful. So becoming a shepherd is a requirement for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Now, we are coming to analyze the, the Great Commission. He said, therefore go. It means that the Great Commission is about movement. I mean, with my conversation with many people, they tell me, oh, I've been a Christian for many days, but I didn't know that we are supposed to win souls. You see, it breaks my heart because what we are doing is not supposed to be unique. It's the fundamental responsibility of a Christian is to win souls. Is to win souls. And many people have told me that, oh, I've been in church for a long time. They've never made us go on soul winning. I have a problem with that church. Yes, I have a problem with that church. Are you following me at all? And I have too many of such people. To, uh, if it's not you, you will not know that we have to go out and win souls. So I ask myself, 
what is the church's preaching? What are the churches doing? He said, go. Now, the Holy Spirit told me, he told me that I did not say, come ye. I said, go ye. But many people are not willing to obey the voice of the Lord. You see, the going is the proof of your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. The going. If a church is not going, that church has lost its relevance as a church of Jesus Christ. He did not say, gather ye. He said, go ye. Now, the moment you also begin to go, you are operating in obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do we gather? We gather only for the reason of being equipped to go. Every gathering in the church that does not push you out again is a gathering to the purposes of the pastor. We, the pastors, we have not been called with our own agenda. We are just representing Jesus Christ. The gathering, when you read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, the gathering is to send out. He said to some he gave apostles, to some he gave prophets, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The average Christian is supposed to be involved in the work of the ministry. What makes you a Christian is your involvement in the work of the ministry. The word saint is not someone who has died. You know, in Christian, when we say saint, usually we say Saint Joseph, Saint Mary. Those guys are not saints. When we say saint, we are talking about people who are alive. Every born again person is a saint. So Bible said, for the perfecting of the saint. Who is the saint? Beauty Clement is a saint. Saint Clement, that, that's his name. That's actually, in fact, that's how heaven calls us, Saint Clement. Saint Alicia. Are you here with me at all? Look at it there. For the equipping of the saints, not dead people. In Catholicism, when you die, they give you a saint. Which is not biblical. We are perfecting the saint. Everybody here is a saint. Hallelujah. Saint Randy. Saint Afrani. Yes. All of us here are saints. For the give me the scripture again. It's not about how you feel. It's, that's why you see, God has already made us. So when we come into the matters of holiness and things like that, you see, Bible says that for the matters of fornication, it should not even be mentioned among Christians. We are not trying to be saints. Through the conversion protocol, God made us saints. You know, the word saint means a holy person. So, sinning is like putting yourself back into debt. So, we are not saying don't sin so that you become. You are already a saint. So, it's too low for you. It's too low for you. So, Paul said, for those who are fornicating, don't even eat with them. It's not even about correcting them. It's like, ah, how can, how can you stoop that low? A saint? It's like a president 
with everything you have. Not that's how that's how God sees it. So by the time we are telling you, don't fornicate, don't do this, it means it shows the degradation. It's like a saint being advised not to fornicate. So look at it. He says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when we gather, we must hear things that provoke us to go and work. That's the purpose of our gathering. Our gathering is a school. Church is a school. We go and learn and we go and do practicals. Anytime you go to church and the work of the ministry is not sown into your heart, you didn't go to church. Because that's the only way we are edified. That's the only way we are perfected. Are you here with me at all? If you go to work and all you are thinking about is marriage, all you are thinking about is children, all you are thinking, you see, all those things, you cannot do marriage seminar somewhere. In fact, in terms of like um, financial stuff, you can go to Gimpa and still have training in financial literacy and so on and so forth. It's not the responsibility of the church. We don't come to church to become rich. We don't come to church. There are many people who are rich who didn't become rich in church. So the essence of the church is not to make people rich. But many pastors have made that a focus. But God has an agenda. There's a reason why he's giving us the Holy Spirit. For the work of the ministry. Praise the Lord Jesus. For the work. So if you have been in church, you have the Holy Spirit. With the manifestation, he's speaking in tongues. The moment you speak in tongues, it's a sign that you have the Holy Spirit. The next thing you have to do is that the Holy Spirit is given to you, not for the signs. It's given to you for a work. The siren is not the president. The president is after the siren. So when you finish speaking in tongues, what do you do? You go and win souls. That is a proof that you have the Holy Spirit. So he said, go. Tell your neighbor, go. Tell your neighbor, go. And make disciples of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. It means that we have been giving a mandate. First of all, before you can make disciples, you must preach to the unbeliever. Preach to the unbeliever. They have to be saved. When they are saved, you have to train them. Because disciple is the Greek word mathetes, which means apprentice. He did not say go and preach the gospel for the salvation of men. He said go and make disciples. So you see, evangelism and soul winning, they are not the same thing. Evangelism is the first phase of soul winning. Evangelism is going out to preach the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ, what he has done. Soul winning is bringing the people into the complete knowledge of Christ. When they accept Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, you are now, you see, you have to win their soul. 
Their soul must be worn in the way they think, the way they speak, the way they talk. And then that soul is completely worn when it's able to win another person into Christ. That's discipleship. So, Jesus said, make disciples. Now, I'm going to ask you, how many disciples have you made? That, you see, when you go out and preach the gospel, you have not made disciples. Preaching the gospel is not making disciples. It's just the first phase of making disciples. It's getting people born again. But after born again, they have to be trained. This is where the establishment of churches is key in fulfillment of the great commission because it is churches that can make disciples train people perfect them platforms like this if you've been a christian for 20 years and all you think of god is that god will give me a wife god will give me a husband god you see you you are making the work of god very difficult because you were saved to save others you are supposed to be made a disciple so you can disciple another person. And a disciple is what? An apprentice. When Jesus met Peter, what did he say? Follow me and I will make you. Follow me. That's apprenticeship. And I will make you a billionaire. I will make you a mighty prophet. I will make you a healing evangelist. He said, follow me. Come under my apprenticeship program. That's why he worked within three years. So the church is an apprenticeship program for the souls that have been redeemed through salvation. You see, many churches are not following the order of the Great Commission. So we have gathered many people, but we have not made disciples. Because a disciple is someone under training to become like Jesus Christ in soul winning. But many Christians don't want to become like Jesus Christ in soul winning. They come to church, they want to become like Bill Gates. They come to church, they want to become Elon Musk. In fact, people pray to God and say, God, make me like Elon Musk. It's like someone who is amazing. And his apprentice want to become a tiler. Or his apprentice want to become a driver. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Direct. So the proof that you are following Jesus is that you have become a follower of men. If you are following your desires, you can become a billionaire. That's so easy. But if Jesus is the one that you are truly following, you will be a soul winner. So making disciples, turning unbelievers into believers and training believers. Look at the, the sequence. Training believers to understand that they have been saved to fulfill the work of the ministry. It's a program. Every church must have this program. As people come in, what are you telling them? What is God's expectation of them? Bible says if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what is the essence? What have you gained? A properly structured church is the one that is telling the people about soul winning. And that's why Prophet Odro is someone that caught my attention because I noticed that 
And if you are in Alabaster and you, you don't have a bedding for souls, we need to do deliverance for you, I'm telling you. Because yeah, you wait till you I didn't move here. I didn't move here. And he's not just preaching it, he's demonstrating it. It is not popular. People will not heal him. But you see, that's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what he wants us to do. So in this church, we are making disciples. Shepherds are raising shepherds. Everybody is on the ground winning souls. Planting churches. We are modeling it after Jesus Christ. Go. Say go. He said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You teach the people to obey. And that's the work of shepherding. Shepherds help people obey the Lord. You help people, you teach them. You don't massage them. You, obedience is yes, sir. We are not teaching you to argue. You see, the teaching that makes people obey is a different kind of teaching. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. So we are telling you that we must go out. Oh, I'm not feeling well. No, I'm not asking whether you are feeling well or not. But it's a teach them to obey. Obedience is a strong word. So the great commission is about teachings that make people obey. You know, yesterday someone was giving a testimony that when he came to the church, by the time he realizes he's a soul winner. Because once you come into this environment, you obey. You obey. That's what we have been called to do. We are not called for people to lose focus. We are called for people to obey the master. And he left us with one instruction, go. If you have the greatest of giftings, go. Is the proof of your obedience. If you have the greatest of anointings, go. Is the proof of your obedience. The basic thing that Jesus wants from us is for us to put your hands together. Now, let me wrap up with this. If you are not going, it's just one thing. You are disobedient. You are a child of God, but you are disobedient. We don't come to Christ to do our own things. We come to Christ to do the things he has instructed. Not because we feel like doing it. Not because it makes us happy. As I sit here, soul winning is not something. It's not like Jolov or it's not like something that the thought of it, you know, it's like you are in a first class or you are in a five-star hotel. That's not, soul winning is never going to be like that. It comes with anxiety. It comes with fears. It comes with, you know, if you follow those things, you will never obey. You never obey. So we are doing it not because we think we have the capacity to do it. We are doing it because our master has instructed it. Say, I'll go. Say, I'll go. Yes. Now, there are people who have the view that this work is for certain people. Let me show you something. The work of the ministry, it, was, it wasn't giving to adulto. It was giving to young people. Yes. Now, let me show you something. There's something called age of consent. Age of consent. Now, age of consent is a legal term that refers to the age at which a person can legally agree 
to marriage or sexual activity. That means that in every jurisdiction, they have put a law to say that in our eyes, we think that when a person reaches this age, the person can have sexual intercourse and the person can marry because the person is not a child. Now, in Nigeria, the age of consent is 11 years. That means that Nigerians see an 11-year-old as someone who is matured for sexual intercourse and marriage. In South Korea, the age of consent is 20 years. When you are 20 years and someone sleeps with you, it's legal. Under Islamic law, the age of consent is 9 years old. Yes, 9 years old. So the moment you are a young lady and you are 9 years, for them you can take care of children. If the allergy has some stepchildren and is bringing them, you should be able to take care of them. At nine years, you should be able to cook, manage a home. Now, these are scholars, Islamic scholars, weighed everything and said, no, we want our age of consent to be nine years. Now, in the United States, age of consent ranges from 16 to 18. Now, the researchers have said that globally, the age of consent, the median age, the average age is 16 years. It means that when a person is 16 years old, Everything mature people can do. He, he is supposed to be able to do it. Now, when I went to Israel, I saw that their national service, every Israelite, when you finish university, you must enroll in the military. Because in Israel, at 18, you must be able to hold a gun. Every citizen of Israel is supposed to be someone that can shoot a gun. So I saw a lot of young people, a lot of young, young girls dressed in military uniform holding AK-47s. That means at any point in time, when they finish national service and there's war, everybody in the nation can go to war. If this is how the world is thinking, who then should carry out the work of God? I did a research today and I realized that some people came to Africa to preach the gospel to us. I look at their age range. When they were coming, they did not bring luggages because they knew the situation in Africa. Malaria was prevalent and was killing everybody. The ages of the people who came to Africa to bring the gospel, even those who came here, there's a place in Tutu here. They have buried some of them. When you go to where they have buried them, their ages are there. 21, 22, 23. This is where they pack their things. They made coffins from Europe. Look at this is to heaven through Jesus Christ. So instead of bringing a bag, they knew that when they come, they would die. And they actually packed their clothes, everything in the coffin. So that when they died, they just came with their coffin to be buried. 21, 22, 23. The eldest among them was 28 years old. These were the people who became progenitors of the churches we have today. 21 year olds. Analyzed themselves and said, we will go. 
And through their obedience, we have what we call the gospel. We have the churches we have. So if the age of consent in Islamic law is nine years, what is the age of consent in the preaching of the gospel? Have we even analyzed it? Now go to uh, Sunday school. What are they teaching them? Sunday school, no talking. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. What training is the church giving the people? That's why the church is in the majority, but we look very weak. And many Christians are only tickling themselves. Oh, I, I, I got a miracle here. Hey, I got a... When we are supposed to make disciples, not of our communities, but of all nations. So they laugh at us. The Muslims don't make noise. They don't make noise. When they go to their mosque, they don't make noise. But they are the most influential because they are strategic in making disciples for Islam. As I'm speaking to you now, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the whole world. There's projection that in the next 40 or 50 years, Islam will overtake Christianity based on the activity. We are caught up with things that is not raising the people to advance the kingdom of God. We have been distracted. There must be a definite program. That's why the Lord told me, cancel all the charade you were doing here on Fridays and sit the people down and teach them my responsibility. Let them become responsible Christians. Not need-driven Christians. This is my passion. If nine-year-olds are ready to have sex, then nine-year-olds should be ready to plant churches. When you go to teens' church, what are they teaching them? They are teaching them. Yesu, mommy, they say. Or papa, they say. Yeah, yesu, Teens' church. JHS people. Is this how to equip the saints for the work of the ministry? By the time a Christian goes to university and come back to the church at 20 years, when you say what is so winning, he doesn't even know what it is. But he has been in church all throughout. But when you say, what is miracle money? He will tell you that when you are in church and mobile money is miracle money. No wonder a pastor can say, bring your money, I will double it, and people will go. People will go because the church set a wrong precedent. Bring your money out, double it. People think that's why we have church. Church is a militarized unit to raise end time army for the advancement of God's kingdom. Today, many Christians are too weak. They are bread and butter Christians and their edges are being stimulated. They are not sendable. They are not sendable. They can't go. They think about their bellies. They don't think about God's kingdom. 21 year olds came here with coffins because they were sendable. And that's why we have what we have. So for many of us who think we are too old, we are late. The Bible says that God called a king. He was 8 years old. 8 years. So you realize that God started using young people at a very early age. Now, Moses gave an instruction. Let me show you something. 2 Chronicles 25, 5. It says, Then Amaziah assembled the men of Judah and set them by father's houses 
under commanders of thousands and of hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. He mastered those 20 years old and upward and found that they were 300,000 choice men fit for war. Able to handle spear and shield. In the New Testament, what is the sword of the spirit? At 20 years old, you must be able to handle the word. You must be able to rightly divide the word. At 20 years, you must be able to hold crusades for thousands of people. That was the requirement that God gave. God who created the physiological makeup of man realized that at 20 years you are fit to handle. That's what I'm saying that. If you can drive a car, why can't you preach the gospel? Because the church thinks they are youth. So what, what's the youth program? The youth program is that, oh, as for youth, let's bring an entertainer to entertain them. When your colleagues are handling guns, they are not just handling cancer. They are killing human beings. They know how to fire. They know how to kill. Bible says that Eliezer, the son of Dodo, he lift up his sword. 800 men fell down. That's why when David came to the scene in the battle, Israelites against the Philistines, Bible says he was a youth. And then when he went to Saul, Saul actually said, that Goliath, the word champion, was used for Goliath in the Bible. It was never used for any Christian. The champion of Gath. The champion of the Philistine army. His name was Goliath. And the Bible says that Saul told David, the young man, he said, Goliath is a champion because he's been fighting from his youth fighting. So the enemies is recruiting young people. Snapchat 12 year olds are hookers. They are, they, they, are, they are selling their bodies for sex. 13 year olds. Instagram open the videos. You see 13 year olds, 14 year olds people in SHS I saw a video eh? SHS or your video say or your SHS new. or say your real school because he real school. What is the age of an SS finisher? What's the age? 16 years. He took 17, he took a camera and said, How many 16-year-olds can plant churches? Do you know what it takes to win a husband? It's more difficult. A husband is someone who is legally and spiritually bonded to somebody. Bible says what God has put together. Let no man, a 17 year old say, I can disengage. So when we talk about soul, that's a soul winner. Bible said the two shall become one. And he feels that he's not a double-edged sword, but he feels he can separate the two. 16 year olds unleashed into the community. Do you know what you need to do? Do you know the teachings you need to do for a married man's mind to change? A married man who is older than you. And most of these 17 year olds, their sugar daddies are like 40 years, 45, 50. They are able to manipulate them. That is soul winning. When we talk about soul winning, that's, that's the soul of a man. Oh. That's the soul. What is the soul? The mind and the will and the intellect. 
That's a soul winner. So if we have 17 year olds who have the audacity to think that this guy is married, this guy stayed with his wife, I have the audacity, I can separate them. His body has not really formed. I mean, the things are engagement. A man is a visual being. So when we begin to say, oh, Wamusa, little children, how can they do the work of God? And sometimes I get feedback, oh, I'm disturbing the young ones. I'm disturbing the young ones. And they are able to manipulate adults. Cause them to buy houses for people in Dubai. 18 year olds have Lamborghinis, Bentleys. What are they saying to these, these politicians? Are not fools, so they are people with reasoning. How are they able to articulate words to the point that a whole honorable will say hundred thousand dollars? These are so winners. But the church has no program for such people. And the only time we engage them is, oh, we have brought a DJ, dancing competition. When we see them, we see them as dancers. We don't see them as soul winners. When we see them, we don't even see them as ushers. We don't see them as people can lead prayer. That's why the devil is quickly recruiting them. When Mark Zuckerberg became a billionaire, he was 18 years old, soul winning. 18-year-old could hijack the whole world and become, at that time, the youngest billionaire in the world. What? How can the mental capacity of an 18 handle these things? So God brings us the people. We are not making disciples. We are okay when the 18-year-olds are singing. When they finish singing, they go and sit down. And we clap for them. Go to Snapchat. Go to people are sending DMs because they know how to preach and win souls. They know how to win big fish. They know how to maintain them. All these SSB. You see them in Peruvian hair. You see them in Brazilian hair. It's capacity to speak. They are shepherds, but in the wrong hands. Shepherds in the wrong hands. And then when they go to church, it's not the pastor to tell them that their main purpose is for them to win souls. They use them to beautify the church. Yeah, okay. A pastor cannot tell them that the way you are dressing, don't come to church alone. Because the person, you, the person has committed nine abortions already. Talking to people is not a problem. It's not just talking to you. He's sleeping with many people. He's not just talking to people. He's sleeping with them. Taking off their clothes. Doing all kinds of things. At 18. Why can't they win a soul? Soul winning is the basic of all the things that 18 year olds and 16 year olds can do. People stay on the phone for two hours. These same people come to our churches with GSS. They can speak for four hours. Saying things that married people cannot say. I, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They know things. They have words. What is the church doing about these people? These are shepherds. You know, my eight-year-old told me, he said, Daddy, when am I going to plant my church? And I said, you are young. 
And he said, Daddy, I'm not young. But it is after my conversation with her that the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. Don't say she's young. Because Muslims are allowing the nine-year-olds to marry. What are Christians doing? That's why we need platforms like LCN. You see, we need to raise the people to a certain consciousness. We are losing too many people to the world. Because the people are already winning. So the people are already shepherds. What is shepherding? Taking care of the flock of God. You do know what to do to keep someone giving you money. That's taking care. Visitation. It's visitation. Visitation. Follow up. It's follow up and visitation. And then the preaching of the gospel. The preaching. The vibes. The sweet words. Yes. And then yes, Anakas, they compel them. They compel them. They compel them. These people are among us. We are not turning them into shepherds. We leave them. We leave them. Church, we have got into a time where God is recruiting us. Don't think we are old. There is more to be done. And if you think you are old, the Bible talks about Joshua. The Bible said that he asked for the mountain. He said, give me this mountain at the age of 80. He didn't say, give me a flat line. He said, give me this mountain. I want to own the mountain. He was 80 years old. Do you know what it takes to climb a mountain before you possess it? Can you live on top of a mountain? 80 year olds are calling for mountains. 17 year olds are able to clock AK-47s. How old are you? What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? That's why we are rising up. 19-year-olds must plant churches. They must plant churches. Go to East Lego, Abedipele Road. You see them standing there, 17, 18, 19. The courage. The courage. I will jump into your car. I don't know whether you're a ritualist. I don't care. I'm dead to fornication. Why can't we die to the gospel? Why can't we die to the gospel? And these people, we don't hear scandals that they have been killed. Nobody is killing them because of the audacity. But send somebody out. I'm too busy. That's why the work, Satan is working more. God is calling us. Not just to become shepherds, to be champions. A champion is someone who contests in a competition to win a prize. To win a prize. So we are champions. We are champions called to win souls for the ultimate prize which we shall attain in heaven. When we go to heaven, eh, it shall be our souls. Our value shall be our souls. Our value shall be our souls. 